You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. Today's topic is design thinking. You're seeing it everywhere when it comes to education, or at least we think you should be. It's in a ton of our blogs on gettingsmart.com, and we even use it internally to help our partners reach their goals, whether it be designing a new school, helping turn around an existing school, or working on resources for educators. Like, what is design thinking? How does it play into the work of school design and leadership? Where does someone even get started? Emily, Director of Advocacy, and Adam, Director of Coaching for the Getting Smart team, met up this week and dove into design thinking. Let's listen in. Hi, this is Emily, Director of Advocacy for Getting Smart. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Adam, who is Director of Coaching at Getting Smart, and we're going to talk all things design thinking. Uh, We wanted to talk about design thinking because we know that a lot of educators out there are just getting familiar with what design thinking is and how it can help them improve their practice and rethink how they just facilitate learning. And we also know there's some people out there who've been at it for a while, and there's lots that we can learn from those educators. Adam is definitely one of those educators and has been using design thinking as an approach for years. Welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast, Adam. Thanks, Emily. So let's just start at the very basic level. What in the world is this thing called design thinking, and why is it, you know, coming to be a really hot topic in education today? Yeah, I think the uh, it's been fun playing with in the design world for quite a while uh, at various levels, and I think the uh, intentionality of putting it in classrooms and 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 arming students uh, with the ability to uh, utilize it in their in their academic growth is is bringing it to the forefront um, in all education sectors right now, uh, which is which is just super exciting um, from a from a growth standpoint. Yeah. So, what is it? If you could give us a tweet, what is design thinking? And I know that might be painful because there's a lot to it, but let's start right there. Yeah, I think the uh, it's it's one of those like simply complex uh, concepts that uh, there are lots of iterations of. Um, the Stanford D School has done uh, a lot of amazing work in the realm of design thinking, and I think that was my um, some of my first in, in starting to process it, uh, and, and just sort of the, the flow of, of of sort of chunking out uh, from a system side, but then really really absorbing it and owning it from a, from a mindset side, and I think that's the that's where it gets really fun um, is when it starts to change your perception of how you view things. Um, while not being so rigid that it that it stops the create the creative side of of kind of truly getting outside of the box um, in designing and or coupling with uh, different initiatives or different pedagogy or instructional components that you're trying to deliver in a classroom. Uh, I've seen so many fun examples over the last probably five or six years. Um, one of my favorites uh, was in a, a fourth fifth public Montessori classroom. A uh, teacher was extremely talented in the art of designing and delivering project-based learning. 
um, but did it through a lens that really helped students uh, sort of go through this design thinking progression so that they were not only uh, engaged in, in some high-quality PBL, um, but also being extremely kind of transparent in the different stages uh, of design. Yeah, so that's, I think, a misnomer is that, or at least that I've heard and I've experienced in learning about design thinking on my own, that design thinking itself can be applied in PBL classrooms or it can be applied in, you know, a place-based setting. There's lots of different ways it can be used. I'm hearing you say that that's definitely the case, yes? Yeah, I mean, from a philosophy standpoint, as a as a lifelong learner, teacher, educator, uh, I don't think there's, I don't think we'll ever reach a silver bullet in education, and I think that uh, design thinking along with, you know, countless other um, new and old uh, learning kind of pieces uh, all go together to make, create, or continue to try to build this puzzle um, that just helps helps students personalize the journey or personalize the approach. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think by any means it's a standalone. I think that uh, partnered with with various other pieces, uh, it's an accelerant or a catalyst for for growth. And it sounds like for both teachers and students. But um, I'd love for you to give us an example. You started to share a little bit, but give us an example of in the past, you know, 18 years of your work leading schools, you've seen design thinking used and kind of walk us through what that looked like. And I think that's where it gets fun because it almost becomes like this foundation for just how you see see the world. Uh, like I, I catch myself using it in my personal life, in guiding like my own kids uh, that that have, um, while very connected, no concrete connection to uh, your traditional academic paths. Uh, and then even from a from a school or program design standpoint, um, we follow that cycle. And, and typically I'll use the word cycle, some will use framework, or um, I like cycle because I think that in design thinking it, it truly does, uh, it's continuous. So it continually evolves and you continually go through, through different phases of it. Um, at Getting Smart, we, uh, we have our own smart design framework. Um, or cycle uh, that we use, and, and it's this idea of framing, ideate, create, execute, and then iterate. Um, and then, and then, what's fun is is we start over, or or we'll dive back into the process uh, with an iteration of an iteration. Um, yeah, I live. Problem. We both live in the iteration phase, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and it's a good thing. Think, That's good. Yeah, it's good work to continue to iterate and show the power of what you can have at the end as a result of going through that phase and staying with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think I think also the, uh, you know, in in talking and growing students, uh, teaching students, the, the idea is, is that we want to model we want to model best practice in terms of what we what we believe is best for them in terms of, of, of how we learn as adults and so uh, kids are brilliant and so they have these these various ideas um, that that they've been 
they've been framing for who knows how long and they've just kind of sat dormant in their mind or, or haven't had a platform or voice to, to deliver some of those pieces. And so, so that's another element of design thinking that I think, um, has been pretty powerful. Uh, had the opportunity to lead a, a couple different high school, we did various leadership positions in different high schools and, and it was fun to, um, sort of unleash kids on those ideas with some structure in terms of, okay, great. Now let's take that and let's start to build or let's start to create. Um, it, and it's fun to watch their light bulb moments kind of, uh, occur as they run into different things and get to continue to, um, solve different pieces. Uh, well, I mean, wouldn't you say it's like most kids are living in a design based world anyways, and then when they go to school, we're kind of reverting and we're saying that that's not how things work when they know it, it is. I mean, they see that from developers, from builders in both the tech space, but then also just in life, people are designing and using that. And then we kind of take that away. So I'm sure that unleashing and letting students thrive probably was really powerful to see those light bulbs go off for them. You know, aha, I have this opportunity to finally do what I know is going to be a helpful skill in my life. <laughs> and and be a true designer and taking those ideas from start to finish. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's infectious too, uh, for the adults that get to, um, experience that. I think, you know, some of the greatest celebrations over the last couple of decades is, is when, when any student, uh, arrives at that, that spot where they're truly like owning a process or owning, owning new learning. Um, and so you start to see that. And I think, uh, as I said before, like design thinking is that kind of gas fuel on the fire um, in regards to that. And so so it starts to drive different sort of uh, facilitation or navigation of, of learning um, at, var- at a variety of levels um, and, and really tackling a variety of issues. And so I think that's the other um, strong connector is is this idea of, um sort of sort of solution based learning so so how are we going to arm students with the ability to solve different problems within their immediate world or within our bigger picture world um you know how how do we give them the tools how do we how do we prepare them while we have them uh to really drive the future of learning like that that's i don't know those are the exciting pieces um it sounds like there's a an element of empathy in there when you mention solution based learning. Yeah, the D school uh they drive that hard. We work with a school in Boise, uh Onestone, and their entire model is driven um by design thinking and and in getting to talk to their uh high school age students, the the amount of empathy that they have for uh not only not only their immediate community but but bigger picture human population uh is almost indescribable uh and when you sit down with them you, you almost have to for the first couple of times like check yourself in terms of saying like oh my gosh you're a sophomore in high school or you know you're 16 years old um but because they've they've grown and are are developing that that idea of of being empathetic to um and, and truly just like that ability to walk in someone else's shoes um, and see things through a different lens. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's a powerful piece. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's. And the mindset, would you argue that the mindset to just see the world through that design-based lens is key, that the students and teachers that are engaging in design thinking kind of have to shift their mindset um, in order to make that yeah. impact and to be as powerful? Yeah, I think the uh, – yes, very much so. I think this podcast is kind of fun because um, it's it's almost reflective in a way because we do have these conversations a lot. The uh, and, and we can kind of go wherever we want to take it, but like even in watching my own, uh, my own boys, I have three and they're at a variety of ages. Um, their world is very, very different than the world that, that I grew up in, uh, in terms of access to, uh, technology as a driver. Like my, the fun one that I'm playing with lately is, uh, my boys are gamers, uh, and, and, and it's a variety of platforms, whether it be an iPad, um, and then they're going app based or whether it's their Xbox, uh, uh, and then, and then one specific component that they're, that they just absolutely thrive in right now is, is this Minecraft. Um, and to watch them apply the skill within Minecraft where they think they're having a good time and, and they are, but they think it's just pure fun. Uh, the conversations that we get into, uh, after when they suck me in and I play with them, uh, are fascinating in terms of very much mirroring, um, the design thinking world that I live in professionally. And so, so you start to see this, this neat little bridge, uh, of them solving and them creating and them, uh, ideations fun because they're coming up with ideas that, uh, they they have a platform to come up with these ideas, and then they get to execute it within the game. Um, and also, uh, Social Bridge, it's, that's been fascinating, too. So, like, for whatever reason, we spread them out. So I have a 20-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 6-year-old, and the 11-year-old and the 6-year-old are at their, their most peaceful state when they are in, in Minecraft together. Uh, and it's, and it's true, as a parent, like, and as, as a, as an educator and a learner, um, I think that's it's fun to watch uh, mm-hmm. them build collaboratively within that world. As you'll soon hear Adam say, our team is constantly learning. Through this podcast, we've got to learn from educators, school leaders, and various thought leaders in the space. We hope our episodes inspire you and help you learn more about important topics in education. Is there someone you've been wanting to learn from or a topic you'd like us to dive into? Email me, jessica at gettingsmart.com, tweet us at getting underscore smart, or leave us a review and we'll be sure we add them to our list. Now back to Emily and Adam. Yeah, so you you aren't fooling me. I know that you weren't dragged to play Minecraft because you and I both would be, you know, chomping at the bit to play. But I will say that it's interesting for you to reflect and share that you see some of that thinking brought to the game, right? Um, And that this can be applied in lots of different avenues and lots of different ways. So what I'm hearing you say is when they're playing, they're in fact creating, you know, designing paths and um, iterating as they go along with collaborating and working alongside others. Is that the connection there to design thinking? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I think 
Like, it's been fun as an old-school gamer to even think about, like, the summers spent with my brothers uh, playing vids. And some of the processes we use then, I just think I think that the exciting part for us is that it's becoming more and more um, intentional or transparent in, in mm-hmm. how it correlates to, to their academic world or, or to their ability to uh, solve problems within different classes or to solve problems uh, while they're out in the community playing or um, I just I, there's an intentionality there uh, yeah. that excites me as a as someone who's you know dedicated uh, a professional life, life to learning. Yeah, Zelda Civilization. I'm right there yeah. with you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so as a teacher or as an educator, you know, as a system lead, where would you recommend getting started? You are a wealth of resources, and I am privy to that and get to learn from you, um, from what you share with us and just talking to you about design thinking. But for the people listening, where where would you suggest they get started? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I think the, uh, the, the, the personalization piece plays for me in, in answering a question like that. I think it's, I think it's sort of a, a bounce back to where we start with, or where we, where we need to start with kids in, in terms of meeting someone where they're at. I think there are people uh, on a learning continuum who probably possess more uh, abilities in 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 a design thinking framework or process. Um, and then there are others that are completely foreign or, or maybe just lack confidence in in developing some of those ideas. Um, we're pretty intentional uh, in in terms of our process, and, and it's it's tried and true um, in working with districts and networks and schools and uh, program developers um, throughout the throughout the U.S. Um, in terms of taking this idea uh, and, and sort of framing it out. Um, I think I think that's the initial step. I think I think we walk around with with this um, just bank of different things that we want to do or we want to explore um, that we believe is best for kids, um, but they sort of just can sit there and sit there. And, and so um, you and I have lots of conversations around uh, different individuals that that we enjoy um, from a mindset side, and and, and so. I think in in terms of starting, I would I would deliver through Seth Godin. Uh, I would deliver the idea of poking the box. Um, start to start to take one of those ideas, um, and, and and I would I would recommend as a as an educator, I would recommend starting uh, internally, like developing this process and, and doing some reflecting along the way, um, and then and then take it to students. Um, and, and mirror the process, like give them an opportunity to reflect in, in what it looked like. Um, but like I said, we we frame that idea and then we start to create. And so it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be um, this this massive uh, initiative or this massive um, change. It can be very subtle, um, especially as you're getting started. Like think training wheels and. Uh, Tom always, he and I have lots of conversations around this idea of designing from the edges, and and I think I think it's very applicable to design thinking. So so take one of those outside puzzle pieces and 
and go through the process of creating uh, a vehicle for it to exist and then and then execute it or deliver it. Um, and we talk about, you and I talk about this all the time, it's that idea of constant iteration. So, like, uh, it's okay to say, wow, that was terrible or or that aspect of, of this just didn't work because um, mm-hmm. then I think things start to get exciting. I was, you took the words right out of my brain. I was just going to say that for me and engaging in this process, when I started, I thought I was going to do things wrong. I use this process when I work with, on projects personally and then professionally. And I kept thinking, oh, I'm going to get it wrong. And I very quickly realized that getting it quote unquote wrong is actually (laughs) ingrained in the process is that you have to do things and fail multiple times. Um, to then end up creating, iterating, and make something that you're really proud of and that incorporates a lot of feedback, input, multiple drafts. And so starting small and just biting off a little small project or a little piece of a project to go through the design cycle was the best place to start for me because then I could see how it could apply in bigger ways, bigger projects, um, just from working on the edges, just like you said. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's definitely great advice. And then I'm going to bug you and make you share some resources with us. You met, you mentioned Seth Godin. Who are your other two go-tos when you're looking for design thinking inspiration? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think just to give, uh, Mr. Godin some love, I think, uh, the expansion of the, the post the box is, is, uh, in, in all of his various, uh, books that that we're both fans of um it, it's just that idea of, of trying something like that not having uh not being afraid uh to to do that to do that work and this is interesting too so in in my world uh i have i've mentioned stanford d school i enjoy their um they have some great resources online um that are all easy to access and 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 just exciting to kind of process and play with. Um, I think in the same way that we design uh, to better serve kids, I think my learning is sort of similar. So I would use um, Daniel Pink as a as a reference, which is interesting because he's not known for design thinking, um, but it's this idea of marrying the two, I think, as a, as a delivery unit to kids. And so uh, – you know, I, I would dive into his book, Drive, um, where he talks about autonomy, mastery, and purpose, um, because I think... Yeah, purpose. Elaborate on purpose and how... I forgot to ask you that, how purpose is a key part of why you might engage in design thinking. Yeah, I, I think there has to be a, a, an end game. Like, you know, the whole, the whole idea um, is that we want to improve the world, uh, but I think by being intentional, especially with students at, at a variety of ages. Like, we, I play with it with my six-year-old. Um, but by being intentional, we can help them define their world, right? So we look at, like, these global issues that that are, are extremely important and, and impacting us in many, many ways. Uh, but if we truly want to, like, create momentum in, in solving those, then I think if we can drill it down to – to the level of, of a six-year-old or a ten-year-old in defining what their world is and their immediate issues within it, um, then it gives them a sense of purpose as they go through and frame this piece, which which truly provides 
like an ownership or a buy-in to the process. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a critical leg um, of design thinking. Uh, and then not new to many, I think uh, along that same line, I would I would definitely um, uh, establish a sense of why, right? So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's. It's why are you why, why are you doing it why why would you even uh, sort of chase some of these different things in terms of investing uh, time and energy into a design process um, so you know to be clear on that um, you know I love to read I mean I could give you fifty different angles that are influencers in terms of uh, my own evolution um, yeah. And I think that I smell. Uh, I smell a blog coming. You just said fifty resources. I smell a blog. <laughs> I just yeah. I, I, and I think to ever be called an expert in anything is uh, just it's not gonna it's not gonna be in my wheelhouse. I think that uh, with a mindset of just ever learning, uh, mm-hmm. I and and we're built on that. Like our team, I think our team embraces that idea that we're constantly learning, um, mm-hmm. and so. Inevitably, we're going to finish this, and I'll go find something else that I that sort of impacts or process, you know, impacts the way that I that I apply design thinking to the world and and work with others in doing the same. Yeah, well, I'm certain that listeners learned a lot from you today. I know that I did, and uh, thanks for being on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks to Emily and Adam for helping us learn more about design thinking and its impact on education and innovation. Be sure to check out the Getting Smart podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, subscribe and rate us. For more on all things innovations and learning, check out our blog as well at gettingsmart.com. For the Getting Smart podcast, this is Jessica signing off.